0: loyalty to rangers is what binds us and together we are stronger launching for the 2021 season the my membership program is a new way to get even closer to the club you love it's the one place where you can access benefits like ticketing priority club discounts and exclusive competitions and experiences there's even a limited edition welcome gift when you join visit rangers.co.uk slash to join today always rangers always loyal Always rewarded. Jones delivers Manchester, to get everyone are on To
1: play, okay. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode from our yesterday's hero series. My name's Scott Gray, and today we're joined by one of the best fullbacks our club has ever had. He won six league titles, three Scottish Cups, and three league <coughs> cups, making 250 appearances for the club. He's a nine in a row legend. His name is, of course, David Robertson. David, welcome to the podcast. Okay, good to hear you. Uh Good, good. You started your career at your home club Aberdeen. What was it like signing for Aberdeen in those times? Oh,
0: it, was, it was good. My dad's a he's a big Aberdeen supporter. Um, we used to go and watch the games. And as a young kid, I remember when they um, won the, the League Cup in 1976. at beat Celtic two one. That's when I'd, I began to have an interest in football. And we did the then watched the the team come down the open top bus. Um, so it was great that you know when I was 13 years old, Alec Ferguson signed me as an s form. At the same time Manchester United came in but they couldn't sign you until you were fourteen. So but to be honest, it was just a, a dream really to sign for your local club and um it was just a predicament Alec Ferguson was there at the time as well. And, and Aberdeen were going through a very successful time. So it was just good to, you know, be recognised, but obviously give you that kickstart in your career.
1: Yeah. You won the League Cup against Rangers and the Scottish Cup against Celtic after becoming a regular in the Aberdeen team at, at the age of, kind of seventeen onwards. What was it like playing under Sir Alex? Being so young, and also, did were you ever on the end of any of his infamous hairdryer moments? Yeah, I've
0: had, I had a few—not um, on ends, but I've, I've witnessed a few things with Alec Ferguson. Um, I, I just think, for me, overall, with him, he's just a, a sheer perfectionist. Yeah. And he used to go all over Scotland and England, just watching games. Him and Archie um, almost every night of the week, um, <clears throat> and that's when I had a bit of a. Um, a bit of a rude awakening really with uh, with Alec Ferguson um, on, a, on a Friday afternoon. All the when I was an apprentice at 16 years old, there was a little under the, the family stand. They used to have this little gym and goals painted up on the on the walls. And there was a game called Tip it was one or two touching. Um, we we all used to play that before training. Um, go in there and grab a ball. But on a Friday afternoon, Fergie would play Archie. So and uh, then would pick one of the young boys or two or three young boys to referee the game. So you know what was going to happen. Whoever lost, if Archie lost or Fergie lost, you know, more often than not, you're going to have to run or they're going to do some punishment. This particular day, we, um, <clears throat> I was refereeing it and Archie won. So um, Fergie blamed me. So he <laughs> told me and grabbed two or three other mates to go and wash his car. So this silver Mercedes outside, parked outside Pataudry and and because, as I said, he goes to so many games, we've got a million flies on the registration plate and on the front of it, and he couldn't get them. <clears throat> and it was winter time, so we, we thought to ourselves, you know, winter time is beginning to get dark. Um, so we, we, we got the bucket of water, the three vessels Robert, McDonald, Scott, Tate, and myself. Um, and we got the bucket of water, and, and it was beginning to get a little bit dark. And I'm thinking, um, what? We ended up just throwing a bucket of water over it because it was getting dark, and I thought he wouldn't notice. So he does that, and then we'll go back inside, dump the bucket, and there's two doors to get out. So we get to the first door, and we'll look around, there's nobody there, and then we we'll run to the next door. And by this time, Fergie's caught up. The other door, he says, oh, you, oh, you, oh, you, what are you, and we sort of didn't know what to do. <laughs> and Robert had his dad's car. So we all jumped into Robert's car, and hid under the window. <laughs> And then we looked just sort of peeked out the window and here's Alec Ferguson going to the bus stop looking to see where we were. Um, and then Robert, obviously, his dad's car, he got home early. So he was called, Alec Ferguson called his parents' house and got him back in to clean the car at night. Um, but there's just various things that Fergie, that was like off the pitch. There's so many stories off the pitch. You know, he, there was one time, um, Ch- there had all these, they had these Charlie Nicholas hairdos with the, the, the big <laughs> perm at the back. Um, longest perm ever. And um, the way of the Pataudry is, there's a way dress room, the home dressing room, and then the coach's room's here. So Fergie, Archie, Teddy, Scott, they would all be sitting there. So they didn't miss anything because you have to pass them to get in and out of the dressing rooms anyway. So I had this haircut and um, he comes in and he says, hey, you, come here, come here. So I go in and he says, you get your haircut, you get your haircut. So I go and I get my mum to take a bit of this off of it. So <laughs> I come back in and he says, I told you get your haircut. And I missed it and They sent me back up to get my haircut, two washes, <laughs> So, um, but again, it was just um, a, a real learning curve, and I don't think at the time you realise how we sort of made you into a man, and you were a bit stronger because people yeah. from Aberdeen are very, in those days, were very insecure and um, maybe a bit introverted compared to other, um, you know, like the West Coast, and we always found it hard going to Glasgow as kids because in Aberdeen you're sort of protected a little bit. But he gradually, bit by bit, take care of your shell. Um, but he was just a, as I say, he was just a perfectionist. And There was one game we played, uh, Aberdeen had actually won the league championship and beat Hearts at Tynecastle. So we hadn't um, celebrated winning the league. So um, on a Tuesday night, we were playing in the Youth Cup, the Youth Cup final against Celtic at Petaudry. So we wanted to present the trophy. So before the game, Willie Garner was the assistant manager. He took the youth team at that point, and he, and I was think I was about fourteen or fifteen, very very young team. Celtic had the likes of Derek White, Joe Miller, Paul White, those kind of guys. Um, and before the game, he said, "You know, it's a big crowd coming. I think it was about fifteen thousand come to see everybody lift the trophy, and also they stayed to watch us play." And it's a big night. The first team are, are coming to watch us play. The, the boss is going to be here, and um, so we go out. And at halftime, we come in. I think we're three nothing down at halftime, and um, he sat of. Willie Garner comes in he says, okay, that's it. No more, no more goals, damage, limitation, nothing else. Um, and then as he was saying that, the door basically came off the hinges. Fergie comes in and he starts off with a goalkeeper, blah, 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 all the way through and he never misses anybody. You're getting a hairdryer treatment, you're getting everything. Um, <clears throat> and what's last, felt like maybe five minutes, it actually lasted about 30 seconds. But everybody got it. And bear in mind, you're 14, 15, 16-year-old. And then he goes out, and everybody's thinking, oh, what was all that about? And then, to be fair, we were out and we won 5 3. Um, <laughs> so you just, and afterwards, he was the first person to come in and congratulate everybody. But he was just a, as I say, he was a perfectionist. You made me play in that, even in the first team, you might, there was one game I remember we played Clyde Bantwell, won 5 nothing. And most managers would be happy with that. But I made a mistake. I don't know what it was. And he came in and crucified. And it's almost like the perfection part. It doesn't matter the score or anything. Win, lose or draw. If you've made a mistake, you'll know about it. And, and it's probably the best grounding I've had.
1: Well, look at the career he went on to have himself, you know. So he obviously was doing up right in the end. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. As I
0: say, he's a fantastic guy. And, um, I, I just think he's sheer effort. I, I remember I went to Leeds United and oh, George Graham was a the manager there. <coughs> and he didn't take much. He took the training, but he wasn't hanging about. He didn't watch youth teams or nothing. And um, Fergie, in those days, knew every player, even like just boys clubs under 14 in Aberdeen. He just knew everything. It's incredible. It's
1: mad. When did you first hear that, that Rangers were interested in signing you? Obviously, Fergie had left by then, and, and I think it was Jockey Scott and Alex Smith that was in charge. But when, when did you first hear Rangers were kind of interested in taking you? To it
0: wasn't that long before Souness left. Um, Green Souness actually... Um, agreed a deal with my agent to go at the end of the season. The contract was up, um, but I, was, I still had to go to, to go on a tribunal anyway. Yeah. Um, it was maybe it, it was around about that time when you know Rangers Aberdeen had the lead deciding game at Ibrox. Yeah. Um, which turned out to be my last game for Aberdeen. But in, in the build up, um, maybe about four or five weeks before, we um, uh, my agent met with Graham Souness and basically we agreed a deal. And then I'll never forget the day when with it. Seton Park, and there's a mini bus that takes you from Patole to Seton Park. Um, and on the way back, the radio was on, and breaking news, Graham Souness was resigned from Rangers and gone to, to Liverpool. And all the Aberdeen, Aberdeen players were joking about that Souness was leaving, and uh-huh. I'm sort of sitting like this on my head in <laughs> <of> my hands. <laughs> the only person that was basically you know, disappointed in it. Um, and it took a couple of weeks for it to get sorted out, but I, I basically agreed finally with Walter Smith. Probably four or five days before that last league deciding game um, at Ibrox.
1: Yeah. Can you yeah. remember the first time you walked in the famous doors up the marble staircase as a Rangers player, rather than obviously seeing it as an opposition player?
0: Yeah, I remember. I, well, when I actually physically signed the the press thing, what I think was away on holiday, and, and was Archie it took me, and <clears> he <throat> took me around Ibrox and up the marble staircase, and you know, I think as soon as you walk in that doors, you really realise the magnitude of it. Of the club and yeah. then the first day was um, it was quite a terrifying ordeal that the first day at training obviously in those days there was no Murray Park we trained the Ibrox and went to Bell Houston Park and uh, west of Scotland cricket ground but that day I walked in here you, know, you go in there and you're met by Stan the commissioner and then Jimmy Bell comes and takes you um, and <clears throat> you walk down that dressing room and, and that's it was a long walk and I'm sort of beginning to panic I walk in and then you see all these, there's Terry Hurlett was there, there was um obviously Andy Gordon was there, Hayley McCoy, Mikhailachenko, all these big superstars, and I think Mo Johnson was there as well. And and I'll, I remember walking in and I'm thinking, I don't belong here, I'm not good enough to be here. Um, and then as I was thinking that, Jenny Bell put a little bit more pressure on me and he says, That's your peg here, number six. He says, You've got big shoes to fill, that's Terry Butcher's number. And I- <laughs> brilliant and then but to be fair the day I left he did say to me he says you know what he says you certainly filled Terry Butcher's shoes which which meant a lot for me but the first couple of days I was a bit in awe of basically where I was in honour on, on. and I was in between Goffey was number five Ian Ferguson was number seven so and just up a little bit was the, the mad corner with Durant and Haley and, <laughs> and uh, McCoyst and that so I was pretty close to all the nonsense that was going on.
1: <laughs> How was Walter with you when you first signed and, and obviously as your manager?
0: Yeah, I think to be honest, um, obviously we spoke about Fergie and George Graham a little bit. But I, Walter Smith for me is the the best manager I think he's. Um, I, I just think that I remember the first words he said to me. He says, you know, you look after me and I'll look after you. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'd like to think over six years, I think he gave me a in once. Um, I think it was after our half half time or after the game when we lost the uh, Hibs in the, the semi final. I think Keith Wright or Mickey Weir scored to put us out of the in the first season. And that's the only time we really had a go at me. Um, but he was just a he's a type of a manager that you just you run through a brick wall for him. Um, yeah. and, and 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 you see all the players now like Gorham and Goffey and all these guys. They still we don't call him Walter, we still call him Gaffer because mm. he is he is the Gaffer.
1: Yeah. Season ninety one, ninety two, Rangers were going for four in a row. <coughs> obviously, you were coming into an already successful side, uh, playing under the pressure of having to clinch a championship. You've kind of touched a wee bit that you were kind of awe at the start. Did you quickly get used to the we need to win every week? When obviously at Aberdeen, anyway, under Ferguson, it was huge, you know, yeah. expectations on you. But I suppose it gave you a grounding for going to Rangers. But did did you quickly fall into that line of no, we need we need to win every week at all costs?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the first game against St. Johnson, we won 6-0. Um, <clears throat> and I'll never forget running out as a Rangers player the first time at Ibrox. Mm-hmm. And I think it's then, I'm not saying you feel the pressure, but you feel how much winning and supporting the team, how much it means to, to the supporters. And and I've said a lot of times that you actually, the day you, the day you sign for Rangers or you walk in that building, something changes within you. You, you become different. You don't serve mm-hmm. that. I watched Aberdeen and all that kind of stuff, but suddenly that all changes, and and you're part of a, a big institution worldwide, um, and just the atmosphere. You know, I think it is amazing. You know, when you're the Rangers and, and the team score a goal, to go up, or um, you win, win a game, the atmosphere is just incredible. And it's not just um, big games; it's every game that you play, because it just means so much. And and you know, you you I always felt that putting on that jersey, you're playing for every single person in that stadium.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I suppose that's why players like yourself, I think, it takes to the hearts of the supporters really, really, you know, quickly, and and they stay there because that you real you can clearly see you realise what it means to play for that club, and and that's just that's just that.
0: Yeah, I think I think um, I think you're fulfilling other people's dreams as well, you yeah. know. And and I I never thought I was a particularly great player, and, and I think I'm very fortunate to have had the career I've had and to get the opportunity to go to the Rangers. I know probably my the first opportunity of or my opportunity of going to Rangers was because of the the two or three foreign who I can't remember what it was they needed Scottish players, um, but then that quickly changed and they could sign anyone and at that point that was when I felt a little bit of pressure because I knew in those days that they could go out and sign anybody they wanted and and I think it's, it means a lot to me that you know I was there basically consistently played there for for six years but I always knew that. Um, how much it means to pull on that jersey
1: yeah you made 53 appearances I think it was in your debut <coughs> season at Ibrox and it was your one and only red card at Rangers that season as well yeah. in the semi-final against Aberdeen against Celtic sorry what, was it was your old Aberdeen teammate Joe yeah. Miller that you smashed <laughs> talk oh, us know. talk us through that and did Walter well, go ape <laughs> I think
0: before I mean obviously I, I find that you know when you play like against Old teammates and stuff—you you get more and more wound up about it. And Archie would always wind me up before the game. You know, make sure. In those days, you could, basically what the old saying was: make sure you sort them out in the first five minutes, uh-huh. um, because nine times out of ten, you're not going to get a yellow card. And and then it worked. You know, I mean, obviously, I, um, over the years, that's what I did. You, whoever you're up against, it's a Kevin Gallica, De Canio, or something like that. You time, give him a wee hit early on. Obviously, you've got time to be as fair as you can. Um, but I remember that night, we Joe just knocked the ball past me and the momentum was going and I just thought to myself, right, here's a chance here. Um, and in, in, in those days, I don't think it was a red card in those days. Today, you'd probably go to jail for that. But <laughs> uh, those days, you, you got away with that kind of thing. So um, obviously, I, it was Waddle, So I, I hit him and he goes down and, and sense gives me the red card. And I remember going in, a, um, going in the uh, Hamden. And... I'm sitting there, and obviously it was a long half, and then I heard this big cheer and like the the who falls sort of thumping and thumping. I'm thinking, oh, Celtic have scored. We Dory comes in and said, eh, you know, Coiste score, Coiste scored. So that made me feel a bit better. Um, <clears throat> and then at half time you know, Walter comes in and I'm in the bath. I'm trying to hide a little bit. And to be fair, Walter says, you know, I said, what did he say? Just said you're off. He's like, ah well, we'll fuck him kind of thing. And, and, and second half. I'm up in the main stand at Hamden, surrounded by security guards, and I'm kicking every ball because Celtic are hitting the post or hitting the bar, and and I've never felt so much pressure as if, you know, if we lose this game, it's my fault, Yeah. you know, and, and fortunately they hung on, and um, I remember on the bus, I was probably the most relieved person on the bus back to Ibrox that night, but um, I'm glad it was the only red card that had there.
1: Yeah. You managed to play in the final, help Rangers to win the League and Cup double that season. You said yourself that you maybe felt as though you weren't worthy of, of going in that changing room. Did that really help then, landing your first league title with Rangers, landing the first trophy with Rangers? Did that help to, to show, no, I, sh- I should be here. I'm good enough to play for Rangers?
0: Um, yeah, no, I, always, I still felt there was pressure that you know to stay in the team kind of thing. As I said I was never the most confident player in my own ability. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... Winning the, the league was the, the, a great feeling. Um, I, I, but I don't even think I played and I don't know if I played in the game when they, they won the title because by the time the season comes to the end of the season, i was always injured. Or, uh, yeah. You know, the strain of playing and, or maybe the yellow cards have accumulated or whatever. But it was fantastic just to win that first league championship. It was great because the other six, other five after that, they tend to be more of a relief than anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it was almost like you know, I don't think we enjoyed, or I enjoyed winning the trophies as much as I should have. It's almost like a relief because we have to win it. You know. Yeah. And then obviously, the, the game against and um, we won 2-1. I mean, it was, I remember Archie's words after it because after the game, everybody was so down and, um, and, and I think it was because it was just a bad game. We didn't play particularly well. And I remember Archie says, look, listen, just go and enjoy it. In years to come, no one's going to care. It's not going to say Rangers won 2-1, but they didn't play well. Um, and he sort uh, But again, I think it's just the standard that the team had set, and um, it was. Dis- and again, because no disrespect to Airdrie, you know you're playing against Airdrie, who are the, the real underdogs there. And, and probably in the last twenty minutes, when Andy Smith scored one, pull one back, they he, they sort uh, you know, gave us a bit of a, a scare at the end. But um well it's just great to uh, obviously to get a couple of trophies in your first season it's incredible.
1: Yeah, I suppose it goes a long way though. I mean, two examples in recent history was. Which... And I think it was 2008 or 2009, we played against St Murn in the League Cup final and we were down to nine men early doors and obviously we're thinking back to the ball, back to the ball, we managed to win the Cup one now, You fast forward to this season, we played Celtic off the Part in the League Cup final and yeah. we didn't win the Cup. You know, So I think it's that mentality that sadly we've, we've no got just now, hopefully we'll yeah. get it, but I think the mentality that your, your squad had and your guys had was we, we were never beaten. You know what I mean? We were always going to win, even if we didn't play well.
0: I remember some of the games we played. I remember one game at Brockville. I think we were 2 nothing down. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, there was never a panic and there was never a, a doubt. We always had the belief that we were going to win the game or draw the game. And I think a lot of that was down to Walter lot of Smith. Because if you remember the time when I think we knocked out to AAK Athens in the Champions League, I think Falkirk, or, I think it was Falkirk maybe beat us in the League Cup at Ibrox, and then Celtic beat us in the first Old Firm game. And, you know, there was a lot of pressure on Walter Smith. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that he never showed it, it was business as usual. He never showed any weakness, any sign of his own doubt or pressure that he was under. Because obviously he was under a bit of pressure. It was just everything was normal and he protected the players that way. And I think that's, that was a sign of how, Um, What a a great manager he was because he's, you know, Rangers is obviously a a real pressure job um, to be the manager there. You know, as as you've said before, you have to win every single game. Um, You know, even in recent times, even if Rangers are are not at their best, they're still expected to win every single game. And and I think that what Walter Smith did, really, in that period, was just, I think, he deserves a lot of credit for what, what was achieved then.
1: Yeah. The following season, I think, Walter, and, and obviously, you guys as players deserve immense credit because we played a total of 64 matches, you playing in 58 of them. It was obviously the season where we went what, 44, 45 games unbeaten and we That's managed it. to clinch, clinch the treble. Did that squad, you've touched that a wee bit there, but did that squad just feel invincible that no, nobody was going to beat us?
0: Yeah, I think as well, I think that because there was so many games, we were so close together. Yeah. So there was no. Um, what would I would just say there was there was no time to think in between games. And yeah. I think the early part of the season we played in the space of two weeks. I think it was fourteen days or something. We played the League Cup final against Aberdeen. We played Celtic in an old firm game, and we played two games against Leeds United. And obviously we won every game. So I don't think we had time. But I think it was just a momentum that mm-hmm. um, we just got on our run. And, and again, you know, I've, I've, I don't think. We'll, we're a good, I think we're a good team as in, you know, a, a group together. You know, yeah. a, a lot of togetherness and, and will to win. And and I think we were spoiled with the, the players that had such a desire to win. You know, like Andy Goram, Goffey, um, you know, John Brown, Stuart McCauley, Ferguson, Hayley McCoist. You know, when you've got those players in your team that are just born winners, they won't accept defeat. They won't accept second best. I think and that basically overcame any problems that we had. and, um you know, I, I just think it was it was a fantastic season, OK, where we probably just cut it short a little bit in time to get to the Champions League. But, yeah. um, you know, you look back and you think it was a fantastic season.
1: Yeah. You obviously started, you touched the Champions League. We started off in the Battle of Britain. Well, it was a game before that, but the Battle of Britain's the one we remember. What was it like <coughs> for yourself playing in the Battle of Britain? And what like, was the mood in the changing room getting into the two games? Because I think really the English press <coughs> had kind of written us off as, like, it's the Scottish champions, it doesn't matter. You know, Leeds will sweep them aside yeah. and and we gave them a bit of a shock.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's, um I, I think you're right there because I know in those days the England people in England didn't rate the Scottish League. I remember when I signed for Leeds United and um, I went into I was I spoke to Lord Wallace, who was at Leeds United at the time, and and I and he says to me, So how many how many league championships did you win? And I goes, Oh, six at ranger and he goes, Oh, I only counts for one then yeah right um and then obviously yeah, sort of going to the angels <laughs> after that you know they, they don't believe in those days the, the scottish league and we've always written off but walter and, our, and particularly archie agreed it's a good sort of winding you up you know obviously the newspaper clippings were up and what yeah. you. and um, but i remember the game at ibrox when um the ball comes in and i, and I the first minute i i have a great clearing. i was martin lee chapman i think it was and i go up in that and ahead of the ball, a great, great clearance outside always, the box, and McAllister and follows it first time at the top corner. You think, oh, this is going to be horrendous. Um, and then obviously we win the game. And um, but again, going down to Elland Road before the game, the press, English press, we've got no chance. It's all done. And and then we did the the opposite to the same as what they did. Hateley scored the, probably one of the best goals I've seen. Unbelievable. Um, you know, in particular that. I mean, we look at the two goals, McCoy goal and. Uh, probably two of the best goals and to be in a set like that it was just a a great experience and um, I remember Fergie actually came into dressing before the game and after the game Um, obviously he's good friends with Walter and stuff so um, that spurred us on a little bit as well but as I say it's just that desire that the team have you know on any given day you know Haley McCoy score great goals Um, and I think the second game in particular Andy Gorham probably played his best game for Rangers
1: yeah we we progressed progressing the competition, and obviously there's the whole allegations of Marseille cheating, etc., bribing referees, etc., bribing CSK Moscow. Were you aware of any of that at the time?
0: No, I, there was nothing, not a lot was said about it um, until it all came out. There was a little bit of time later on. Yeah, um, but I think we were just so caught up in you know winning games, and games were coming thick and fast. You know, you had no time to. To think about but anything else you just got to take care of yourself. Plus as well, you know, me being the way I was, you know, I'm just trying to do everything I can to, to stay in the team. And and it wasn't until after Marseille won the, the, the cup that all the doubts came and are they going to replay it and, and it all just sort of fizzled out and, yeah. and and I think at Rangers as soon as you win the league, you win the treble that year, as soon as that's done you're now thinking about the next season. You know, you, yeah. you don't you I don't think at Rangers you have time to
1: really celebrate and like what you've achieved until your career is well done yeah you touched on it there we won the treble what did it feel like for yourself winning the treble obviously only your second season at the club clean sweep done well in Europe etc it must have been a great buzz for yourself and obviously for the squad
0: yeah I think I think that game in particular um, you know for me as a an Abergonian and playing alongside Willie Miller for a number of years um, you know he used to sort of shit, I was only 17 but in the first team he was in his 30s and He would blame me for his mistakes, typical Willie, grumpy Willie. Um, And he was the manager of Aberdeen at the time. In that season, Aberdeen would beat Aberdeen the League Cup, I think they were second in the league, and they probably had enough points to maybe win the league any other season. But Mm -hmm. we were just so almost invincible at that point. Um, And then obviously the the league, the Scottish Cup final, again, against Aberdeen. So, you know, and Hamden was getting done up. It was at Parkhead now. So we... um, Obviously it was at Parkhead We're in the home dressing room at Celtic, We're in the Celtic dressing room I'm playing against my whole team Against Grumpy Willie um, It was almost like All my birthdays came at once <laughs> That day To win it and, and I've been asked a lot About your favourite game And it wasn't so much the game It's more the The occasion of the whole thing It was just a Unbelievable You couldn't have written it And I couldn't have wished For anything else that day yeah.
1: What were the celebrations like After that Obviously that season Came to a finish We spoke to Charlie Miller recently And he says you were a bit of a madman With a drink So well, it was a celebration.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I had a few drinks. You know, when I have a few drinks, you go a bit wild and stuff like that. And everybody knows it. And more so in those days, I was pretty quiet. and didn't say a lot. But if anything, you know, I think I was typical shy Aberdonian that um, a little bit in awe of things were going on. And once you have a few drinks, you relax, you become one of the boys. And, yeah. you know, you get yourself in a few scrapes time to time. And, um, and But I'll tell you what, Charlie just wanted to talk about drinking as well, to be fair. You <laughs> probably deflect it away from me. Um, you know, the, as I say, every, every time you won something, it, it it was great. You know, I think, um, you know, I think mean we won the league. They took us to Monte Carlo, and um, in between the, the winning the league and the, and the the Scottish Cup final and things like that, they just they looked after you. But I think Walter, Archie, David, Murray in those days, I think it was all part of looking after them. Like I said at the start, you look after me, and I look Aye. after you. And they certainly did. It was a good. Um,
1: combination they had. So going to Monte Carlo, were you under strict instructions <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well,
0: you tried to have all these strict instructions, but it's all, it's all about Pear shape, probably Heathrow Airport, or, <laughs> or the first time you get there. I think it was one time you tried to get everyone out, get everybody so, you know, get as much alcohol in them as possible so that they'll struggle the next day um, <laughs> for maybe one day, one blowout, and that's it. But the problem was everybody woke up with such a, a massive hangover the next day that he just had to keep going to make himself <laughs> feel like that. So, um, but I think he always knew that, I think I'm sure they would have stopped if we didn't, if we weren't winning. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was just, it was a fun time. And, you know, you obviously you wish you could, you know, on the field, off the field, you wish you could go through all that again.
1: Because it was probably the best six years of my life. Don't, don't we know it where we are currently sitting at the minute? <laughs> oh, okay. <That's> that, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to six in a row. We only won 22 out of the 44 league games that season. Do you think maybe the exertions of the year before are catching up with us a little bit? I think it was another
0: year when I think McCoyce was injured, Stuart McCall Aye. was injured, Andy Gornan might have been out as well.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and they're all knee injuries. Um, I know I Stuart McCall missed a whole season. I um, think Andy Gornan did as well. Um, and like Ali Maxwell came in the team but that, that we, we almost had back to back trebles lost to Dundee United but I do think the exertions because I know that season in particular I was I, I, I played a lot I played a, a, a decent number of games but I always never felt 100% fit there was yeah. always some niggle some something nagging away And but again I had to play because I knew if I didn't play they could go and bring in somebody else to replace me so um, you know, and my career ended up suffering for that later on. But I do feel that um, you know that season, you know the, the sixty-four games, and then suddenly you go in, and and again the pressure again to win every single game.
1: Um, sometimes it takes us to mentally as well. It's tough. Yeah, we signed Duncan Ferguson that season. What was he like to have around the dressing room, and what did he add to the squad in terms of well, we know what he added on the pitch, but off the pitch. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he came in. He was a.
0: Walter was very good over the years of bringing in different personalities. He was certainly, a, even though he was only, he might have been 18 or 19 at the time, a young lad, but you know, he would he would come in and he certainly would be, when you go on a night out, he would certainly be in and around things that were going on. But he's, you know, obviously his career at Rangers wasn't as good as, or as successful as he hoped it would be. Um, obviously, the, the, the job mix day thing didn't help either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was a. But you can look at his career as well. I mean, if he'd stayed fit, he could have been, you know, the next Mark Hately at, at Ibrox. And I think he was very similar to, to Mark as well. And, yeah. and going on about Mark Hately, I think I didn't realise how good a player he was until you watch videos on YouTube and, and what you saw, almost always took him for granted. You know, Ali was the guy that scored the goals. But, yeah. you know, he was just... The goals that he scored, the speed he had, the strength he had. You know, I remember I would play... Times my crossing wasn't the best. I would just get the ball in the box, and I knew that he'd make a, a shy cross in a half decent one. He'd just go and attack everything. So he's, you know, he just uh, I don't know, realise how
1: good he was. Well, we, we watched him in mean, the games on recently. I don't know if you've seen it, the, the one you're talking about, your, your last game for Aberdeen. Um, <coughs> oh, when it was yeah. on recently in BBC Scotland. And Mark Cately, that day, even if he didn't win the ball, he clattered McLeish and he clattered Miller, or you know, oh, he, he knew, yeah. you knew you were in a game with what a player! Yeah, he's
0: quite it's quite funny that day. Um, Theo Snelders was injured, so Michael Watt went in goals, yeah. And um, I remember when I eventually, maybe a couple of years later on, I think he mentioned to me, he says to me, he says, That goalie, he says, That goalie at uh, Aberdeen that day, what was his name? I says, Oh, Michael Watt, he says, eh, What's he doing now? and I goes, uh, he said, big, I said, big man, you you absolutely killed him. He says, you finished his career that day,
1: he's now a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, man. Brilliant. The following season, we were going for seven, and it's fortunately for us, and I suppose yourself, we saw God arrive at Ibrooks in the form of Brian Loudrup. What was it like to play, obviously, just <laughs> behind Brian Loudrup, but on the same wing as him? I mean, what a player. Yeah, he's...
0: He was an incredible player, but I remember the first game that uh, we what was it? We played, Clyde. I think we played Clyde at Broadwood in a pre-season game. That was his first ever game, and he's obviously just came from AC Milan, and uh, Walker wasn't at the game. I think it was just Archie was there, and I remember Archie, when he did a team talk at pre-season, it was just like, it was just a laugh, but it didn't really mean anything. And I remember he says to to Brian Louderick, he says, Brian, I just want you to run fast and score goals. <laughs> He must have been thinking to himself, where am I at, where am I at now? And then you know, there was a lot of hype coming in. Obviously, he's got his brother Michael and all that, Brian himself. And um, I remember coming at halftime at the Broadwood and I'm thinking, there's a lot of hype about this guy. He's, I don't think he's very good. Um, and then it realized. I realised that a couple of games later, it's, it's actually me. It wasn't good, you know. <laughs> he was playing balls and thinking, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's what I'm meant to be. And he was just on a different, different, wavelength. But for me personally, he was a great guy to play with. You know, I, I would get the ball, pass it to Stuart McCall, and just run. And nine times out of ten, he, you know, play a pass through the eye of a needle for me. And um, he was just a, a great player to to play with. And like Gaza. Um, you know They could just do it in a game that you're struggling. They just did a little bit of magic and winning you the game.
1: Yeah. Is, do you think Brian got a wee bit of a culture shock given the, the kind of obviously in that dressing room? It, w- it was used to winning, obviously, it was used to partying through winning. It was a drinking culture at the time. Do you think Brian maybe got a wee shock at that?
0: I think so, yeah, because obviously it's Milan. And I don't think the Italians don't really sort of behave <laughs> in the way that we did in those days. But he certainly, you know, he took part in a lot of things. He'd go on nights out and, you know, obviously there's the, the story of one of the cup finals. I don't maybe it was the one when he, he scored. And uh, Gordon Judy scored a hat-trick. Maybe he got two and I think yeah. he was in top of the bus smoking a cigar or something. I don't know. So he certainly eventually fit in pretty well. And I know that one of these good friends, an uh, unlikely couple, one of these good friends was there, was Andy Gordon. You know, those two completely opposite characters there, but they were very, very good friends.
1: We won seven in a row fairly comfortably, finishing 15 points ahead of second place. Marlo. At that point, does the squad even start to talk about nine? Or is nine just not even mentioned? It's just concentrate on <coughs> winning the next one? I think it was probably,
0: maybe, it was, I think it was maybe a year later that people began to think of nine in a row. I mean, I certainly wasn't really aware of it, you know, because it's so far away. Um, but, you know, in... in like even even during that nine minute time, but the last season, the second last season, you know, water still never put any pressure on anybody. It was almost like every game even when we played Champions League or maybe I go to play Patrick Thistle slide, the build up was the same as it would be if you're playing yeah. Juventus or something. You know, I think he was very good that way. And as I say, there was no real pressure on us at all.
1: You spoke about the kind of jokey corner, uh Hatley, McOuest, Durant etc. Yeah. Now that's even before Gascoin eyes on the scene. Were you ever on the end of anything from McCoist and Geraint, et cetera, before you even gather came in? No, no, I was
0: quite, quite, um, I was quite lucky because I was pretty quiet. I was sort of, at times, I think I was a little bit invisible, um, <laughs> but I used to enjoy just watching the the things that we do. I remember we do was there. He um, used to come in the morning with a cup of tea three in the morning. You'd walk in and you'd come over with a wee polystyrene cup. And then, um, he'd know how many sugars you wanted if he wanted sugars and every time he would say to, uh, he'd go to your he and, and he'd be standing like this and he'd say Doddy what time is it and he'd go like that <laughs> every time um, but there was nobody who was immune to any of the, the jokes that went on and you know, I, I know that Gazza was quite nervous when he first came uh-huh. um, obviously because he must have known there was a, a lot of jokers in the park, but um, it just made it a a real exciting time and, and a fun time. And, and even, you know, if we, which wasn't very often, but maybe lost one or two uh, games. You know, it, when you go back into training, the jokes are still there, you know. Yeah. I, I used to be a lot of times when you maybe have a night out. And um, there was one time they did it to me. And um, I walk in the dressing room and, and it was a night out with a, oh, a a bit worse for the wear. So the next morning at training, or maybe the day after at training, you know, sometimes you have too much to drink, and you've got a blackout spot when you can't remember too much. <laughs> you know, you walk in the morning, and, and somebody would say, "Oh, what about you the other night?" And then you go, and as soon as you start, you're like, what, 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 what? You look like, so guilty. What, what? They just wind you. Oh, you're dancing at tables. You were going to have a go at this guy, and then, you know, and then keep you going for that full day, and you feel, you feel like crap. You know what I mean? Eventually, say, "Oh no, only joke, only joking." Don't be joking. <laughs> and that happens a lot. Ready is relentless. Ready is fearless. Ready is fearing no foe. Ready for the next level. Renew your season ticket now and support Rangers into season 2021. Prices are frozen for next season and the renewals deadline is extended. Visit rangers.co.uk/renew to secure your season ticket today. Always
1: Rangers. Always loyal. Obviously, that summer guys arrived. When did you first hear that Rangers were interested in it, or was it just when when he was paraded outside with the the crazy? I young think guy?
0: it was just paraded. I think because you know in those days Rangers were you know um, linked for many players, many top players, and 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 a lot of the times the big names didn't quite happen. Yeah. But when Gaza came, you know, you see the, the big hype when he, when he arrives, and, and probably he's probably the the biggest name that, during my time that we had. You yeah. know, obviously Brian Loud, was a big name. But, but the fact is, Gaza, he was one of the best players ever to come out of England. Yeah. And you know, I was very, very fortunate to have played in the same team as him. And, and it's sad to see where he is now. Yeah. You know, I think, I remember we'd go on, like, even if we're going to Pinecastle, on the way back, for some reason, a lot of the times he would sit next to me. I would sit on my own in the bus. He would sit next to me and sort of pour his heart out a little bit about, you know, his life and, and what have you. And I just feel... I was never particularly close with him, um, but you know, you see a lot of the people over the years that were close with him, that they're nowhere to be seen there, yeah. um, and I think that's a sad thing that I see.
1: Yeah. What was he like on the training ground and, and obviously in the dressing room? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he always
0: liked to have a, a laugh and a joke. Um, there's one time he comes in and he's got his he, 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 Ian Durant used to call it, he used to have these little tiny teeth, <laughs> they're all like worn away. And uh 19 Jack used to call him a, ref- a refresher mouth. <laughs> uh, so eventually I must have taken his toll on him, he goes and gets him done and, and they become too two big bits like that, hey, Jonathan Watson with Flat McGovenny. <laughs> you know, um, so obviously you've got the piss taken out with that and you've got them all filed down and stuff. But um, you know, training wise he could do incredible things. What I liked about him was that you know, he this knack of even in training, when you had the ball, you could see the ball, but you were always too far away. Mm-hmm even get right. close to the ball, it's just right. something he had to shift the ball pretty quick um, but you know I certainly enjoyed my time playing with him um, but and for, for me obviously being the left hand side he would always go to the right hand side you know Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably in the space, I think he was there three, year, three or four years at the same time as me he probably passed the ball to me a bit twice in uh, <laughs> four years because he always kept going to the right hand
1: side <laughs> I think Goffey tells a story about him well when he first when he had the reputation of cutting up suits when he came in and yeah. Goff got him in a corner and said, Look, don't you come near my suits, I'll bust you <laughs> And then he gazed a he and says, Big man, i only cut up a money no Martin Spencer's say that. Like gear was never the best He <laughs> You will
0: not be doing him a favour cutting up his
1: gear. <laughs> uh, once again we played in the Champions League group stages Cannot up against Dortmund Stuttgart, Bucharest in Juventus what are your memories playing in a competition like that obviously against the best of the best at that time
0: yeah I remember <clears throat> one the games that sticks to me is when we played Dortmund away uh, because it was on TV and it was winter time the pitch was totally solid so we had to play the game
1: yeah.
0: and um, we didn't have the proper footwear so Jimmy Bell I think went out and bought like you know, old pimples acid tough shoes in, in those days um, and then I was standing out and I remember they were checking your boots um, in the tunnel of referees and they had like copas with nails sticking out of the bottom <laughs> <laughs> and then we were going so bit, but they had to play the game and we were obviously skating about you know slipping uh-huh. everywhere and there you know perfect footing um, I think we do two meet guys I mean we were sent off that night um, but even though they had the upper end but the, the better footwear we still competed pretty well yeah, um, I just feel that we a lot of the games there's just little things that maybe we lacked a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, I I I can't put my finger on it because we actually competed really well in the games. We scored goals against the top teams,
1: and um, we just maybe
0: maybe it's a defensive part. I don't know.
1: You maybe think it because obviously Walter, when he came back, second spell round, he was a bit more cautious because he had to he never had the talent of Gascoigne, Loudrop, etc. at his disposal. So he was a wee bit more cautious, and obviously we nearly won the UFA Cup <clears> through it. You think maybe the the experience say the Walter nowadays maybe mixed with the the young kind of manager yeah. that he was might have been the best blend, and he would probably maybe went no went out kind of going at teams like that a wee bit. But then again, we yeah. drop dropping gas going, I suppose. But
0: yeah, I remember I I did a cool license a couple of years ago, and Walter did one of the talks, um, and he said on it in those days that people asked him questions about it and he was talking about when he had okay the, the team was set up as a four four two or three five two and mm. Laudrup was here, Gaza was there. But Walter Smith said he said really Laudrup and Gaza had three roles they did their own thing and yeah. it was up to everybody else to plug the gaps. And and maybe um against the top quality opposition, you know against Partics and London United, you can probably get away with that. Yeah. But maybe against um, um you know, Juventus and Dortmund, there's also a little bit more quality. You know, there's like 11 top-level players. Um, but then again, I remember one time we played Juventus away. And then the next game we play is, you know, particular away at Far Hill. So there's a huge gulf yeah. between the, the levels and the stadiums. And, and even this uh, the excitement. You know, you go play Juventus, you're all excited. You're looking forward to it. And then you're coming back to play at Far Hill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a real up-and-down kind of
1: thing, you know. aye. aye. Uh, we obviously were a wee bit more consistent in the league that year. i would say a wee bit more. We're going for eight title in a great fight on the row so we must have been doing something right. But Celtic were a wee bit more resurgent that year under uh, Tommy Burns. Did the players feel kind of. I take it the pressure must have increased every year anyway. But given the fact that there was a fight from Celtic and we had to clinch eight in a row, how was the feeling in the in the changing room?
0: Yeah, again, i was still that belief. <clears throat> you know, I think um, obviously Celtic were. You know, a lot of the games we dominate the games, and you know we'd score against a on of play. Yeah. um a lot of the times, and obviously Andy Gordon, you know, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, Tommy Burns keeps, you know, kept saying that you know, you know, he's he's sort of basically, um, you know, stopped Celtic from winning anything. Yeah, um, which is probably true. And um, but again, everybody had their own roles. But I do feel that. Um, the fact was that in, in those days we had a lineup of a gas going that could just do something a little bit different, um, because teams were, you know, a little bit, maybe a little bit more cautious against this. Um, but again, you know, when you, you you look at the last game against Aberdeen, and um, you know, the guys are three goals, just incredible. I mean, in a game like that, that just shows the quality and probably one of the biggest games ever in the club yeah. history. And and it produces, you know, a day
1: like that's just incredible. Take us back to that game. What, what was the feeling like beforehand? And obviously, what was it like playing with? I mean, I think there's a cracking picture of you jumping Gaz's back. Is it after the second goal or the third goal? What's it like playing in that game when, when Gaz is at his very, very best like that? Yeah,
0: well, I, th- I, think, I think maybe some of the games... I mean, it's very similar to the the game the following year when uh, we were going for 9-0. We were playing Motherwell and... All well, the T-shirts were printed. Evan was done. Yeah. And we lost the game or we do the game. I can't remember. Um, I think when we played Aberdeen, I'm not saying we all went on the pitch expecting to win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went a goal down pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think it was maybe Brian Irvin or someone scored. And then you think, God, we're really up against it. And then the first goal that he scored was just, you know, his feet. <laughs> just incredible. And when, you actually, when, we, when we managed to sort of dig out the, the shot itself, um, and again that was the type of um because I know the rivalry between Rangers and Aberdeen,
1: yeah.
0: Um, you know, Aberdeen would have been loved, I mean, I could imagine the team talk, we need to stop them winning the league, stop them winning the league. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think if we didn't have the Gazas, they might have stopped us that day, yeah. And um, you, know, you know, doing it, but um, as I say, it's just it's fantastic to be a part of it. And you know, when he obviously scored the, when it was the second one, he scored, um. The one that puts ahead, think McLaren must have said something to him um, at the halfway line, picks up the ball and goes the whole length of the park and scores. And um, You know, it was just I mean, it was just fantastic um, to be on the pitch with somebody like him.
1: I think, as I say, he's running through for that second goal that he, he was hoping that the Aberdeen player would have brought him down because he was absolutely knackered. So to see him continue on and finish it the way he did is just yeah. unbelievable, man.
0: But you I think if you watch a lot of the goals he scored, he never smashed about, everyone's always placed, placed. And, you know, just stroked into the corners and stuff. He's just in, you know, he's, he's just his complete composure in a game like that. you know, go full length and it'd be quite easy just to sort of just have a, have a go at it. But he's just a, you
1: know, great finish. <laughs> yeah. player. How did the team celebrate that night?
0: Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I'd imagine it'd be a, a wild one, I think. Um, um, I don't I do actually you know what happened that night to be honest um, <laughs> that's maybe a sign you know, I of the night a, I mean for me obviously it was against my old team as well
1: um, Yeah.
0: and I always, I always I'm not saying I gave more when I played against my old team but it just, I gave that more dig and desire because I just didn't want to lose to them yeah. I don't want to lose to anyone but more so for, for
1: yeah the following week you touched on the, the, the cup final the Loudrop cup <coughs> final despite mm. Gordon Jury scoring a hat-trick always known as the, as a the Loudrop cup final yeah what was his team like going into that? And, and I mean, Brian it one that day. I think we could, I think you, oh, you guys could just have stood and watched as well. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. Oh, no, yeah. Well, it was mean? the
0: first, first cup final I'd ever played in that was one-sided. Yeah. Um, obviously, we scored early goals. But it was just a, it was an exhibition just to watch what he could do. And, and obviously, you get guys like Gordon Jury as well. But it was just a, um, you know, you play against Hearts, and you never ever get an easy game against Hearts. And um, I think we might have been a second goal when Brucey let him ball his legs or something. And that really just killed the game because you could just see the Hearts players just basically die so early on um, to be a couple of goals down. But
1: yeah,
0: I just you know it was all it was an exhibition that day, and at the second half in particular was just incredible. It was like the probably the most enjoyable, like a training game kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, then you know there's always a bit of pressure on you in most games, but in cup finals because it could go either way. But there we were so far ahead, and um, you know we just can't of it. And it was probably a game where you didn't really want it to end because it was so good.
1: Yeah. After that game, obviously went away for the summer, knowing that one league championship would equal <coughs> the nine. We know that there's always pre- there's always pressure at Rangers. Could you sense a kind of determined nature within the squad even more so to come back after the summer break and be? Ready to hit the ground running to go and get that ninth over the line.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I remember that start of that season, I was injured. I um, <clears throat> injured my knee come the end of the, that eight in eighth championship, um, and I and I don't think I played um, maybe two or three. I didn't play till maybe October, November, or something. And as soon as the the cup final was finished, um, I think the day after I went to London to get surgery in my knee. i Al went at the same time as well. His with me was a, a bit worse than mine was. Um, so I had a bit of a tough um, season, plus my contact was coming to an end as well um, and the Rangers. So I had a, a lot of, not issues, but things to be concerned of, and um, I had a lot of lonely days in the team, in the team room, in the gym. Um, yeah. But I was meant to have be been out for five months. I think it was maybe three or four months I was out for. Um, and eventually I, I came back after one, reserve game and, and I think in hindsight it's probably a good thing for me because I played pretty constant for what five well if you talk take Aberdeen ten years without a real break it yeah. gave me a break and it rejuvenated me a bit for the run in for the, the nine in a row
1: yeah. Charlie Muller says that, that season he was relatively young and probably didn't appreciate at the time just how big an achievement that was about to take place you know and winning a nine you'd been at the club for what five years or something like that did you Understand yourself, just how big an achievement this would be.
0: I don't think really until I would say a month before we played United in the last game, there was talk, but I I didn't really know the full history of, of the whole thing. And yeah. you know, like like now it's almost a peak. Now obviously Celtics there now, um, and yeah, I understand uh, you know why you know certain teams don't want you to win things and and, yeah. and what have you. So I think. Uh, at the time, I didn't really realise, you know, I think obviously my own injury worries, um, you know, and again, the back of my mind, it was, you know, what happens if if I can't get fit again? Because I remember when the surgeon actually said, there's a chance you might not play again. Um, so that, at least, of got me. I was more just focused on trying to, to get myself fit, um, you know, because about five or six months later, my contract's going to be at end, and, you know, that would yeah. really have been it for me. So that got a lot of things in my mind, but, you know, once I got into the team and, um, you know, as I said, I just had that more enthusiasm um, to be a part of it and that we break helped me a lot. But it was just, a, um, you know, I think at the end, you realise exactly the night we obviously, when we won it, you saw Goffey crying at the end. And yeah. I think it's then it really sunk in just to how much it meant to people. And then you see the supporters, was supporters with tears. And I remember walking down the tunnel at Tannadice and the range of supporters are hanging over the tunnel um, some of them had tears in their eyes like old guys it just it yeah. was a incredible night
1: The League Cup that season we won we beat Hearts in the final again did, did you play in that game David? Oh you injured at that I point? I did yeah I was, uh, I'd
0: actually been um, <clears throat> um, I was ill um, so I, I, we, we trained all the way up to what do you call it the day before the, or the night before the Cup final two nights before the Cup final in fact it would say the game was Sunday on the Friday team goes to Tundra and stay overnight and come back the day before the game. Um, but I couldn't go because I was ill I was at home I, I, I couldn't go so we, so I missed that part. We did the training on uh, Saturday and I felt okay. Um, so we went to the hotel at night I was still a little bit bunged up kind of thing um, and then we did the team talk before we left to go to park, I think it was Parkhead I think it was yeah. um, and Walter took me out and he says, look, you know, you've been ill, I'm not going to start yet. And I goes, oh, no, no, but I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm fine. So I did feel good. And it's the first time I wasn't left out because I wasn't playing well. Because yeah. I was ill and he maybe thought I couldn't play 90 minutes, I don't know. And it, it really sort of hurt me. I, I felt so low and it was almost like a confidence thing. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I think I came on at halftime. Um, I maybe I may been I go down or something and, and I came on at half time And, and that was... Uh, it was probably the hardest game that I played in because maybe Walter Smith was right. I was just dead. Uh-huh. I had no energy. My legs were tight, um, and you know maybe it was the best thing he did. And you know I'm not saying I struggled a bit, but I wasn't the usual self in the second half. And um, and again, winning that was a little bit subdued at the end.
1: That was a game that uh, Gaza and Ali McCoys did the infamous bust-up. Can you remember yeah. just before half-time? Can you remember going into the, the dressing room at half-time and the two of them still going at it and then Walter coming in? Yeah, I can't really remember
0: because Walter, as we're walking in, Walter says to me, you're going on the second half. So uh, I thought everybody else was probably oblivious. I'm thinking, oh, I'm playing now. I was very rarely ever a sub in a game. and um, you know, I was probably just, when you're a sub, maybe you don't expect to go on. And, um, I had to sort of get myself in the frame of mind to go out. And, I, I never really saw much on it, but you know, Gaza that day was another game another where he just uh, turned it on and, and did it.
1: Well, he had a double brandy, didn't he? And then went back out and scored a That's, double uh... and won as the cup. <laughs> 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 uh, the squad, that squad must have forced Walter to probably have a mental breakdown in certain occasions.
0: Yeah, I think he was good at I always say that the one thing that he was very, very good at was man management and keeping all the players happy because. There was no—I don't think in, in that six years there was nobody unhappy that wanted to leave. Yeah. You know, you guys that—I think going it that last season, you guys like Peter van Vossen, Salenko, and all these guys that weren't really playing, but they were happy enough to be there. Yeah. You know, and I think just, it's just—it's great testimony to to man management and and how he just kept them be going and and obviously like Gaza um, and these issues and he sort almost allowed Gaza to do his own thing but sort of yeah. monitor it a little bit. Um, and I think maybe characters like Gaza's and you know, maybe Andy Gorham as well to a degree you've almost got to sort of let you can't sort of tell them no yeah, because you'll lose so much from them um, but you know it's the same thing as you know I mean he obviously must have a few sleepless nights with Gaza because um, you never know what he's going to be up to or what's going to be in it because I think at that point there's a lot of things in the newspapers about Gaza as well so yeah. Um, yes, yeah,
1: it could not have been easy being a manager of Rangers for that. <laughs> uh, Celtic never beat us domestically that season. Well, certainly not in the in the the, the league title race. Anyway, we went to to Parkhead in March. Obviously, Mark Cately had returned, and we won <coughs> uh, one 0 We were pretty kind consistent of, inconsistent getting into that. How does it feel just to have that mental kind of hold over a team that, that they know? It doesn't matter how, what form we're going to take into that game. We, yeah. we just we know we're going to win it.
0: Yeah, I think I missed that game. I was thinking I was suspended that game. Mm-hmm. Um, accumulation of, of yellow cards. But again, it's, it just shows you that I think the team needed a bit of a lift for some reason. And then he goes and brings in you know Mark Haley, probably the last person you'd ever think yeah. um, to come back in. And, and I think that intimidated Celtic a little bit. And it gave everybody that little buzz again. Because I think the mentality was that, you know, it doesn't matter what Celtic do, we'll still beat them or we won't lose to them. Um, but maybe this sort of gave a little bit more of a reminder as well. Um, yeah. And again, you know, there's a lot to play for the 9 that old part as well. Um, you know, with Hayley coming back, he also knows what's all about with Angels. And I remember seeing him on TV that I'm coming back to, on the airport, and I'm sort of, the camera's taking him. And, and that's, that's good management I think it's you know put a little bit of intimidation to Celtic okay here you go this is what we've done here but Celtic as well at the back of our mind they must have kept thinking as well it doesn't matter how well we do how many chances we create but we just can't we just can't break them down
1: yeah we go in the the next game we get beat at home to Camarnock then we beat them firmly and Raith Rovers to set up an opportunity to win the nine at home against Motherwell he touched on the game earlier we lost 2-0 was it beginning to get to the players? I know there was injuries at the time as well, but was it beginning to get to the players of wee bit? Actually, getting over that line and getting over the final hurdle to, to clinch that title.
0: Um, that might have been the case, um, but I think it was almost like a party atmosphere. Yeah, um, like when we're going to win. Like I said before, the t-shirts were printed, M was done. It's going to be a big party day, and you know, everybody's talking about what's happening and the celebrations and what have you. Um, and then it obviously it just didn't happen. I think there was maybe a, I don't think it was the pressure. I think it was maybe a thing, well, oh, we're going to win this game. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know that I've been in the, the receiving end as well. There's nothing worse, you know, being in a a club that you're going to play against a team that's going to win that championship that day. You don't yeah. want to be that team and, and you get fired up. We want to be the team that stops them. Um, you know, it's, it's a natural motivation. I've been there before as a player. Um, and you know I, I it was I was at Aberdeen and it was saying with soonest his first championship at Pictougery when the, yeah. you know the took the goals away and and all <laughs> things happened. And I remember before the game it was wonder we can't let them come in our patch to, to win um, the championship here. You know let them wait another whatever another week. Um, and and I know that obviously Motherwell would be being the same. Yeah. Um, and then you're going against a team that's highly motivated against a team that I think we have maybe won the league already. Um, but I remember afterwards the realisation of losing that game having to go to Tannadice and there's that, I, I always found Tannadice one of the hardest places to go and, and get a all
1: yeah yeah. what was the journey like up to, to Tannadice that night on the on the team bus
0: yeah I think we stayed I don't know if it was afternoon or we stayed the night before um, I think it was St Andrews I think it was maybe we stayed the night before And uh, but again it was just like any other mm-hmm. uh, game you know the bus would stop at the wee shop down the road we would get sweeties and, and <laughs> videos and would watch all that all the way up to, to St Andrews and just, it's just a normal kind of thing Wortsmouth never put any pressure on you I don't even know what the team talks were. I can't even remember um, it was always low key but you know I think deep down it's probably the, in, in my time at Rangers it's probably the, the game that gave me the most concern because you're so close yeah and and for me, if somebody had to say where's the last place you want to go and play to time win the league is is because I, yeah. I I didn't enjoy playing there and I think Down United were always a, a real tough team to play against.
1: Explain your emotion when obviously Brian Laudrup's header just a bit takes the, the stanchion off the back of the goal yeah. and obviously the fans. I mean, first of all, it's a loud up header to begin with, but the fans yeah. at the, behind the goal go absolutely bonkers. I take it relief takes over as well as much as kind of elation.
0: Yeah, I, it's the first goal. You know, it, I, I knew I always knew that if you get the goal against Dundee United, you will win. Yeah, but it's just getting that game because of a stubborn team to play against, hard to play against, um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was almost a relief to get that goal because you knew then that we were so strong. As, as a unit you know the hardest part was getting that goal we were so strong as a unit we knew that we were never going to, to lose the yeah. you know lose that game or give anything away How did the trip
1: back compare to the trip up?
0: <laughs> well the trip it's probably a big regret I've got to be honest with you because obviously it turned out to be my last game for Rangers yeah. and um, everybody went back in the bus and my wife and some family were there in Dundee as well obviously um, came up I went back my wife in the car back to um, back home. So I didn't really celebrate that night. Uh-huh. Um, to be honest, it's I don't have many regrets in the career, and that's one probably one of the biggest regret was that I didn't go back on the bus that night.
1: Yeah, did did were you part of the the trip to to Toronto?
0: No, because my um, I, um, I think it was about a week later. I actually signed for Leeds night about a week later. All oh, right. Um, I, it was actually the day after. Um, we beat, or, or was it Tynecastle? Yeah, Tynecastle, or something. Um, I, I missed that game because um, I was going to sign for Leeds the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that—that's you know, my time at Angels was fantastic, and I just think the way it ended—it's um, all—it's all my fault. I just wish I could have done it a bit different.
1: You played 250 games for the club before signing for Leeds. Did you want to leave? When was it kind of, when did it? Did you know I'm leaving the club?
0: Um, I think I had a, obviously that time when I was injured at the start of the season, I was, I didn't really know what was going to happen next. I, I was offered a three-year contract or two years with the Rangers. Um But I, there was two things in my mind. One was, I played in Scotland all my career.
1: Um,
0: You know, and there was only so many times you can, you know, Every time you play teams four or five times a season, you know, you think that's 11 seasons. It's a lot of times you're you're going to Tarned you're going to the Rugby Park. Um, And I just felt as well, I was almost 28 and I probably wouldn't have another chance to go. Um, And then I thought to myself that Walter's not going to be there forever. You know, I had a feeling at some point he would move on, which turned out to be the case. Um, But it all started in the 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 transfer window in January. Um, I I was pretty close to going into Milan and uh, Roy Hodgson wanted to sign me it was all agreed um, but he lost a game and he wasn't allowed to sign any more players and then the following week he he got sacked so that ended up not happening and then after that I got offers and at the same time um, Atletico Madrid, Valencia um, Torino, Salvador a number of clubs Um, but during that time George Graham kept nipping away kept nipping away and it was probably a sheer perseverance that I ended up going to Leeds, and and that obviously it's, you know, I, I enjoyed my time at Leeds to a degree, but I, I was injured most of the time. But I just feel that, you know, a lot of people have said once you leave Rangers, it's never the same, and, and I thought, oh no no, I need a break, I need a change, and and it was a, a big mistake. I wish I stayed a bit longer at the Rangers.
1: Yeah, we kind of let you go through talking about that. Amazing documentary you've done for as as head coach, general Kashmir. How are you enjoying it out there? I know certainly watching both episodes in the two seasons it's fantastic to for us to see. And obviously, as a Rangers player, we're intrigued anyway by that. No. But but it's brilliant to watch.
0: No, it's 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 a real culture shock. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I've, I've never been to India before. When I kind of decided to go, and you know, next season will be my fourth season there, which is you know, a a long time. Um, But just the club as a whole in the region, I mean, it's a lovely place. It's just in the wrong place. You know, beautiful scenery and, you know, we're well looked after there. Um, And we've built the club basically from from nothing. It didn't really exist. Um, And I'm really proud of what's been achieved um, in such a short space of time. Um, But just, you know, India as a whole, excluding the Kashmir part, it's so disorganised. There's no... There's no common sense in anything that ever happens. Yeah. And you just find that you're constantly on a And I think it's why I enjoy it. There's like challenges every single day, you know, but we train at 10 o'clock and before it gets to 10 o'clock, I've got about a hundred fires to put out before we can actually get on the training field. Um, you know, I, I mean, there was one time that we, I'd only been there three weeks and the snow, I mean, it was a few days. I'd only been there. This was in January, 2017. And um I didn't realise when I first went to India. I thought everywhere was hot and warm, yeah. um, but Kashmir has got four seasons, and it's got a real harsh winter. So I get there, and and what they do is Kashmir sell um, electricity to um, in the rest of other parts of India. So three times a, a day, different areas in Kashmir have no electricity, so the power cut. Yeah. And then during that time, there's a lot of the times when there's no internet, there's nothing. And on top of that, I woke up one morning. And I looked out the window and it's about two foot of snow. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing here? It, it, it was also like a real low point when I was there. So one of the owners says to me, says, right, look, you want to train indoor? And I goes, yeah, let's go indoors." So I was expecting at the worst at a school gym hall or, or something. So I get taken, I just drive where it takes me. So I go to this um, building. I go out of the car in this building. And honestly, it's like a 12 by 6 Um room it's got a green carpet it's got windows all the way around it and it's got three ceiling fans and I thought it's a reception to the school and I said so where are we going to train here I said no this is it this is where you're training so I go and do as as much as I can so next day owner says what do you want to do tomorrow I says well the snow's still here so let's go back to that indoor place so um, we go back and and honestly this room's tiny and and so the driver, after training, the driver's, I'm waiting to get the driver to take me to wherever I'm going. And he's late. But as I'm waiting for the driver, there's people carrying in furniture, <laughs> sideboards, TVs. It was actually somebody's living room that we were training in.
1: <laughs> mad.
0: That is mad. <laughs> but that's, that's just like, on a day-to-day basis, that's what you're up against. And, and then there was one game we played, wasn't the last season, the season before we meant to play Minerva Punjab bit of rivals, But ten days before, there was a um, a suicide bomber, uh, basically bomb, killed forty nine Indian soldiers, and it was about what fourteen kilometers to the hotel we we're staying in. So uh, the owner of Minerva Punjab decides that through the social media, he hints that he's not coming to the game. Yeah. So we are trying to get in touch, thinking like, okay, just tell. Us, are you coming, you're not coming. So we basically have to prepare for the game do all the match day stuff, get changed, do the warm-up. A bit like the Scotland game. Uh, yeah. Was it Estonia? Estonia. Like that.
1: Yeah. A
0: bit like that. Um, and we knew he wasn't going to show up, but we had to do it. They couldn't just tell you we're not going to show up. So we thought to ourselves, well, they haven't shown up, so we'll get the three points. Yeah. So that, I think that we were going to get the three points. The Minerva Punjab owner gets an injunction in the court, so he stops it. So at that point, we are, we've got a chance of winning the league, but um, we end up losing a game. So then the league decides, well, what we'll do is we'll just make that game a draw. <laughs> so that's, that's what I'm saying. There's no logic. There's nothing um, in India. But as I say, it's been it's a fantastic you know, journey. I've loved every minute of it and I've learned so much. I've seen so much. And um, you know, and I don't think there's any situation that would really phase me um, because I've you name it I've dealt with it
1: yeah is this Neil, Con- Neil Doncaster on the, the Indian league Um
0: <laughs> ah <laughs> right. um, I'll tell you the, the, who's uh, Martin Bain yeah he's out in India yeah he's out in India doing something he's in the, in the area for the ISL or something he's out there but um, no it's as I say you, like last season we were meant to trade we were meant to start the season in mid-October um, and this is how disorganised they are. We ended up playing our first game on like, the 10th of December. So we've we basically we had about a, a six month pre season and we played more pre season games than league games.
1: That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. How, I mean, but, obviously for yourself working under Fergie, Walter, George Graham, etc. The managers that are known as disciplined, you know, you know, they, yeah. you know what they expect to you, etc. For you then to go as a manager or a head coach now. And you don't even know if you're going to get to play on a Saturday because, as you say, yeah. there could be something happened <coughs> that, that yeah. stops it. And it must be hard.
0: No, it is hard. Um, as I say, every day is a challenge. Um, and you, you name it, I've, I've dealt with it. But I think, you know, when you look at the documentary, I come across a bit of a hothead and what have you, um, <coughs> In India in particular, you have to be because it's the only way they understand. I mean, yeah. um, you look at the lockdown, um, I'm not saying I beat people up, but you look at the lockdown <laughs> in India, um, you look on the streets and there's people walking around the street and there's policemen, soldiers, basically hitting them with sticks yeah. and arresting them because it's only, it's, it's only what they understand. Yeah, You know, like, if you tell, in in, in you in India for the most part, if you tell Indians something, they don't listen. You know, it's almost got to be physical or a threat or whatever. And I've, as I say, I've had to learn the hard way. I've got of a, a, you know... Um, I've I've developed a style there that works to a degree, but I know if I went somewhere else, I would have to be different. You know, yeah. which I'm, I'm you know I've worked in Scotland and England before, in America, and in America you certainly couldn't act the way act over there. So yeah. um, you, know, you you lose a lot of money in lawsuits, um, but you know you just got to adapt to the situation you're in, and you know, and, and particularly the club I'm at, you know you've got to have some kind of patience. Um, and you can't say, I can't believe this. Why is this not happening? Because you just got to adapt and just a lot of the times you make up as you go along.
1: Yeah. Obviously hopefully at one point you'll come back to Scotland and, and coach and who knows, maybe even see you again at Ibrooks. But is that certainly an ambition for yourself to, to come back home and, and manage yeah, and well, coach? Yes.
0: Yeah, next year this season or next season whenever it starts, so it's gonna be four years, so it's a long time to get away from home and um you know, it's a bit like the Rangers, you know, I went out on a high. I want to,
1: well,
0: we've got a decent budget for this coming season. Obviously, I'd like to try and have a go, time win the league. This yeah. season changed the way we are a little bit. Um, but the ultimate aim or goal is to come back to Scotland because there's only so long that I can, you know, be away from home. And, you know, particularly, as I say to you, there's no internet at times. Uh, electricity is poor. Uh, you know, so many challenges. And, you know, eventually it's going to get a bit old. And, and, but, no, I'm, I'm also... Love
1: the opportunity back here, but it's very difficult, yeah. And obviously, given we're, we're having to deal with just now in, in Scotland and Scottish football, your nine in a row medal is definitely no made of chocolate, it's no made for eight and a half a row or anything like that. No, it's proper. Thanks for your time, David, and thanks for no, your no. efforts in a blue jersey. You are as I say, a tremendous player for Rangers, and you, you gave us a lot of good memories. So, thank you very much for that
0: enjoyed it okay